It's your boy Rabino. And this DJ Erm in the building. And you listen to the Up and Up podcast. Yeah. Wait, what are we doing? I don't know. Just listen. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What it do, what it do. Ladies and gentlemen, you're tuning to the Up and Up podcast. I'm your host, Rabino. And I'm DJ Erm, man. DJ Erm. <laughs> What's up? Welcome man? back. <laughs> yeah. You back in town? Back in town. Yeah, man. You got away from the snow for a little bit? Yeah. Nice, good. and then uh, this is the first episode we've done since Snowmageddon. Can we get a round of applause, bro? Yeah. If you're from Seattle, you know what that means, man. Um, yeah, man, I feel like I'm, man, I, I missed this, man. Mm-hmm. It's been a minute. Gave me time yeah, to reflect and really look back have. and realize, man, we're doing some powerful work here, man. Yeah. So for uh, the for the new listeners out there, this is the Up and Up podcast. This is the podcast where we're focused on cultivating culture, um, and we're doing that by providing amazing stories of of individuals, groups, movements who are really out here uh, paving the way for mm-hmm. the culture, right? Yeah. Um, their culture and a collective culture as a whole, you know, underrepresented communities. That's what that's what it's about. Um, I always want to shout out. Now, you know, we always get some new listeners here and there every episode. I want to shout them out. But I also want to make sure we're, we're giving extra love to our supporters and our consistent listeners and viewers out there. Uh, you know, none of this is possible without them, right? Yeah. You know, and I want to make sure we're giving you guys the, the praise and the appreciation. So uh, if you want to continue supporting this podcast, please, please, please rate, subscribe, review. And like it, too. And like it, too, and yeah. all that. <laughs> if you don't like it, Erm's going to get mad at you, so I'm just, just putting it out there. Uh, but, yeah, make sure to follow us. Uh, you can catch all the episodes on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Just type in the Up and Up podcast, and that's where you can find it. Also, please make sure to follow us on all social media handles at underscore the up and up so you can stay tapped in. We got a lot of great things coming for 2019. Oh, yeah. We got a lot. A lot, mm-hmm. right? I'm a excited. Lot. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got an online store coming soon, mm-hmm. right? Coming really soon. What you wearing there, man? What, what you got? Oh, right? yeah. The hoodie. Okay. Yeah, this okay. Is exclusive. Okay. But, you know. Shameless plug. Yeah. 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 No, no shame <laughs> in my game. Um, yeah, man. A lot of great things coming for 2019. So please, please follow us at underscore the up and up and we'll, you know, we'll keep it. We'll keep it there. Now, moving forward. Um, I'm excited for this show, man. I'm really excited. I'm excited about every show, you know, because it's always a new journey, you know? It's a new mm-hmm. story, and no two episodes are the same because no two stories are the same, right? Yeah. And I would say, you know, the guest that we've brought to the show today um, is a man, I would say, who's earned the right to be called a true creative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people throw that term out there loosely, you know, like, I'm a creative. I'm like, <laughs> what does that even mean, right? Um, but this, this guy has put on countless productions and has a commitment to elevating the culture, right, through those through his creativity. And so I, I, that's why I call him a true creative. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a young leader who's keeping everything he's doing on the up and up, right? Mm-hmm. Got You know, you've got to be doing that if you want to come up here and, you know, ki- kick your shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and furthermore, to give you guys some insight, he is the executive director of Intimon Theater, um, not only that, he's also the first person of color to hold that position in the company's or the organization's 45-year history, man. Yeah. So that's that's big wow. right there. Um, to give you a little insight on Intimon Theater, they they're um, they have a really really strong emphasis on social justice uh, as well as liberation through 
what they call artistic activism, right? I like that term. Mm-hmm. I think we all know what that means, yeah. right? Uh, he, he's, he's coined a term, or he's, this is his phrase, keep color on stage. That's what he's about. Um, not only that, to give you guys more gas, I'm going to just keep throwing it on the flame. <laughs> uh, he's also uh, a Tony Award nominee uh, as a co-producer for the Broadway um, for the Broadway uh, play. And it was a musical and play? Or was it's it a play. It's a play. Broadway, Broadway play eclipsed uh, and also made history as the only and first ever Broadway production to have an all-female cast director and playwright so that's big right there mm-hmm. i'm gonna just get straight to it man i think i think you guys are excited if you're not i am and erm is and we are <laughs> so we're gonna talk about it our guest today is none other than the committed and talented man himself philip chariva hey i said it right i said it right i said it right, I said it right. How you doing? Thanks, man. <laughs> Glad to be here. What up? How you doing, man? You good? All right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's nice to uh, be reminded of all that work and struggles and yeah, mm-hmm. and getting up here and talking about why I do what I do. Yeah. No, for sure. I, and we're, we're, we're glad to have you, man. We're Thanks. glad to have yeah. you, man. I feel blessed sure. to be here. Yeah, sure. man. And so, I mean, if you're familiar with the show, you know we usually start the show off with the quote of the day, something to kind of get the vibe right, you know, and... And you know, quote man, quote man over here. Yeah, that's me. What you, what you got for us, man? All right. So the quote of the day today is the worst form of inequality is to try to make unequal things equal. Mm. Who said that? Aristotle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. That. We took it back. I like that one. Yeah. I like that one. Can you can you run it back? I mean, you know I'm going to ask you to run yeah, it back. Yeah, yeah, of course. For so the, uh, the worst form of inequality is to try to make unequal things equal. I like that. Mm-hmm. I think I think mm-hmm. those are those. That's one of those quotes where you stop and think about it, mm-hmm. right? You yeah. got you really got to stop and sit on that one. Um, now we bring in the quotes obviously because it ties into our guest story and kind of what you're what you're already contributing to this world and to this culture. But um, before we kind of get into your story, right? I do want to make sure you give a chance uh, for our listeners to get a further understanding of uh, what Intimont Theater is and kind of what your mission is and kind of what you guys are aiming to do. So if you kind kind of explain, um, you know. What, what you guys are setting out to do. I'm, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, for sure. So Intamon was founded in 1972, um, and it was about making classic works mm-hmm. reinvented for a modern audience. Mm-hmm. And where our artistic evolution has happened is we've put forth a lot of work in social justice, making sure that we have folks of color on stage, mm-hmm. making sure that we are um, producing shows by folks of color. So mm-hmm. what do our playwrights look like? Because you're finding that in creative spaces, Oftentimes, the creators of arts are going to put themselves on stage. Mm-hmm. So that's why we saw a lot of white folks on stage mm-hmm. because they were written by a lot of dead white playwrights. Yeah, yeah, that and it was sense. male dominated. That makes mm-hmm. sense. So as a producer, I have the opportunity to choose um, where I'm going to put my money because mm-hmm. I'm, p- I'm paying for those rights. Yeah, right. Yeah. So by choosing a playwright who's making a choice and deliberate attention to inclusivity, equity, and diversity on stage, mm-hmm. you then get that representation. Mm-hmm. You get a play full of folks who look like that individual. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Intamon, we wrestle with American inequities. And what that means is we look at injustices that happen in our country mm-hmm. and we talk about them in our productions. Mm. We look at injustices that are happening in education systems and how can we change it up. Mm. Yeah. We look at uh, injustices in staff for nonprofit because nonprofit was started by capitalism, Mm -hmm. and capitalism has deep-seated roots within white supremacy. So Mm -hmm. you've got white supremacy, you've got capitalism overseeing nonprofit work, right? So we look at those injustices, and we talk about them. Mm. And I think that our evolution is clear in that because we've got the first leader of color, 
in our 45 that's big, years. That's big. <laughs> we've welcomed working artists and working artists of color on our board. Yeah. We've transitioned what our staffing looks like. So there's really, w when you look at injustices happening, you've got to look at your whole company. That's real. You've got to look at it ho holistically. That's real. Yeah. And I, I like that. First I of all, too, there's yeah. something going on outside. I, I, it's going down out there. Because <laughs> it sounds like as he's I'll talking. I hear that. Yeah, no, it, it kind of fit with what you were saying, though, right? They were kind of cheering you on. So I'll take applause for activism yeah. in the arts. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, it, this is how it goes down in Seattle, man. Nightlife, man. Um, now, thank you for sharing that. Um, for sure. Because uh, we, we want to provide context, too, right? That's what's important about bringing people up mm -hmm. here is, you know, providing context to your success. And I think all those issues that you guys are wrestling and tackling, you're doing it through art as well. And it makes it more digestible yeah. for us as citizens to take it in that way. Sometimes we can't just sit there and watch a politician give a 50-minute speech. It doesn't really resonate with us emotionally. So I think you guys are doing some some powerful work. But let's let's uh, let's take it back a little bit. Yeah, though. yeah. So let's yeah. take it back to where it all began for you. So the Phillips story. We're going to have our own play right, right uh, now. Yeah, yeah the you Phillips know? story. <laughs> uh, for sure. So I uh, – I truly believe in the power of art. I've been working in professional art for the last 10 years, but it really started when I was a little kid in the Southwest. I'm Mexican-American. Mm -hmm. um, I also identify as Latinx. And as every good Mexican boy plays soccer, I did not love that. Mm -hmm. But my mom was like, you got to do something. I got to work. Where are you going to go after school? Um, and so I was put into the art. Thankfully, we had a community theater in southern Arizona. That's where I was living. I was mm. by a military base. Mm. And it was a tiny little theater that had, I think, maybe like 45 seats. And I was able to express myself in such a unique and interesting way. And what I liked is I, I've been always been like this weird other kid. And I think I still am. Um, I just found a place where that was welcome. Yeah. And it was inclusive. And it didn't care. That space did not care what color you were, what age you were, um, how you have sexual preference. Mm -hmm. Didn't care at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the beauty of art is it's, it, it is from the beginning an inclusive space. Mm. So right. I, I worked in uh, community theater. I loved it. I did everything from dancing to acting and whatnot. Uh, and then as, as I got older, I started gravitating toward more management because mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't a great actor myself, but I really, I really loved art and I wanted to keep making it. And I knew that if I could provide management and work with creative artists and really help tell their stories and yeah. stories that I gravitated yeah. towards, yeah. Um, that was going to interest me. Yeah. What was uh? That's interesting you say that because some people don't know when to just kind of like pivot. Totally. <laughs> so what was like? Uh, <laughs> what was that moment when you were like, all right, maybe this acting thing isn't for me? Like, oh. was there a specific moment that you can like, you know, you know, recall? Totally, and it's race based too. Because mm. what I found is myself, like, I I look like a, a varied range of ethnicities. Mm -hmm. People would call me uh, Middle Eastern. People would think that I'm Indian mm -hmm. and I'm Mexican-American, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I was always cast in these super ethnic roles. I was always cast in these character roles. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this, this, yeah. Is, yeah. Not yeah. this is not how yeah. I want to represent myself. Yeah. Yeah. And much like a lot of the artists that I work with, they were like, I'm going to create my own work. Mm -hmm. So as I started producing, which means I uh, pick the play that we're going to do, I work to find the talent, I look to find the venue, I raise the money to make it happen. Mm, wow. I was like, I have so much say in what I'm going to put and what ownership. narrative I'm going to put. That ownership yeah. is totally. important, man. That's yeah. creative control, man. That's like, that's important, go. you know. Makes you feel a lot better, like, when you have, like, control of all that and kind of make it yours, you know. Mm -hmm. Or, like, 
some other person. You can yeah. portray, portray it in the way you want. You know. Yeah. So. And each production, much like you were just talking about the podcast changes every time, mm-hmm. each production, even if you're doing the same show, let's say you're doing a Shakespeare show, mm-hmm. it's going to yeah. be always different because of the yeah. group that comes together. Mm-hmm. So what does the venue look like? What do your actors look like? What are your, your designers, your directors, et cetera? Because yeah. even our shows at Intamon, uh, we can work with up to like 100 people per show. Because mm-hmm. not only do you do you hire a set designer, mm-hmm. right? But then that set designer needs it translated into the real world. So yeah. where it's built, yeah, that's right. Give it up for set yeah. designers. <laughs> <laughs> we got our own in-studio, outside studio audience, man. It's going down. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then somebody's going to transform what that looks like through the technical direction. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you got somebody to build it. And they need to load it in. Yeah. And then you need people to operate it. Wow. So what I love about my job is I get to bring so many people paychecks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as the executive director, I was like, get to sign it. You know what? Yeah. It's interesting though, because all right, so um, I, I have this, I have this uh, perception, and maybe it's right or wrong, but when it comes to art, I feel like artists usually money isn't primary for them, mm-hmm. right? They're 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 all about the arts, they're all about the creative creative process. They're just trying to, you know, you always hear that phrase, starving artist, yeah, right? And they're just about the craft. Um, it seems like for you, once you realize that, okay, I'm not going to necessarily put myself in front of the camera, um, I need to learn business. Mm-hmm. I need to learn how to monetize because the, the starving artist doesn't know, and I need to be that person, that voice, that bridge for them. Is that So I guess what was that moment for you when you realized, okay, what do I need to do to learn how to actually monetize in the art space? Because I feel like those secrets aren't given to artists, right? And, and, and it speaks to Hollywood. Like if you look at Hollywood, like there's a select few – that are running the show, cutting the checks, right? So. Well, I, I don't even know. Now I can speak for as a as a person of color. Yeah. I don't know that I was given that toolkit to begin with at all. Mm. And um, so now bringing in the art level where you're concentrating on the creative creative works, um, there's only so much mind space to make decisions. Mm-hmm. So that's why often in in um, performing arts, you'll have somebody who's an executive director who's overseeing finance. I'm overseeing. Uh, board relations, I raise the money, I'm a lead fundraiser, mm-hmm. um, and then I have a business partner who's our artistic director, who's overseeing what is the work, who, what specific artists are we working with, so mm. we get to work together on that. Mm. What I gravitated towards was certainly the dollars at the end of the day, because my grandpa was like, we don't got a lot, and I'm going to teach you how to work with this. Okay. So I got that lesson mm. very early on, yeah, and I've always gravitated towards the dollars, because <laughs> uh, numbers don't lie, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and they're as good as you put in it. So when I realized early on that like my bossiness could pay off at the end of the day yeah. and there were dollars yeah. attached to that. I was like, okay, let me, let me see how I can make this work. So I tried producing some works. I built this nonprofit theater company in New York City called Partly Cloudy People because mm-hmm. everyone's got clouds in the day. We strive towards blue skies and it was about making sure there was representation of women on stage. Mm. We were talking about mental health. Yeah. Um, and in that, I was like, oh man, this producing stuff is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need some serious... Uh, finance skills. I need some, some yeah. serious finance mm-hmm. education. Yeah. So I went and got my MBA. Mm. And uh, it was me and a lot of finance bros in there. And I was like, okay, where am I, where am I going to find my people? So I joined the Black and Hispanic MBA Association and all like two of us were in. <laughs> <laughs> but I became a, a, a board member in that and I, I found my, my crew. Yeah. And I was like, okay, there are, we are here. Yeah. That's important. Especially in college. I think that's why people, a lot of people don't understand like, yeah, you go and you learn and you go to class and you attain the documentation to state that you graduated. But there's a lot of experiences within, you know, that time frame and people that you meet. You know, mm-hmm. I met this guy in college and I met a lot of people that I to this day consider really good friends. And 
oh, yeah. um, you know, uh, multi-resources, right, uh, in college. So um, that's good. So let's. what was kind of like your, I guess, your first break into the production game? Because you've done a lot of work, um, but what was that first that made you really feel like, okay, I've arrived, I've done, I'm doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not just thinking about doing it, I'm actually doing it. It was probably when I went to the Tony Awards, um, shortly after we had opened the play Eclipsed with okay. Danai Gurira, who wrote it, yeah. and Lupita Nyong'o, who yeah. was the lead actress. Yeah, that's big. And yeah. not, not only was it the first all-female identified cast, director, and playwright team, they were also the first all-black uh, folks really? to be in, in that group. Wow. So that, that was that was yeah. your was that your first playwright or your first, I guess, production to, to, that you worked on? That was the first production on Broadway that had my name above the title. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. big. And yeah. this is this is before they became Wakanda royalty too. Totally, it's crazy. It's dope. Because <laughs> like, I, I remember going to uh, some producer meeting. It was a press junket, and Danai I went up and I introduced myself and I said, "Yeah, I'm one of the producers." And she gave me the biggest hug, and she was like, ah, "Because of I get to do this because of you." And I was like, mm, "Damn, that's big. You're the star power here, yeah. right?" <laughs> yeah, that's big though, man. That's big. And so very humble. No, that's yeah. big. It was man. dope. No, that's real. So uh, that moment that I realized is when I'm walking into the awards ceremony. And this was also the same season that Hamilton, the, the great piece written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, was also nominated. And they definitely won a bunch of times. Yeah. Uh, but we were all in this, all together. And I remember going to the bar. And I remember seeing, um, I mean, just huge names. Everything from, like, great, great actors to, I mean, Lynn was right there. Oprah's sitting in front of me. Mm-hmm. Lupita's right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to the bar, you can have a drink. You're right next to Zach Posen, mm-hmm. director, and our fashion designer. And I was like, oh, man. Everybody's left their attitude out the door. Mm. We're here to have a good time. We are mm-hmm. here to celebrate our industry. We are all so proud of our work. Mm. And at that moment, um, and I was looking fly. I was very happy with my <laughs> outfit. <laughs> You gotta feel good, man. Yeah, I remember like, okay, this is it. This is this is the community that I want to continue to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that's a moment right there. W- mm-hmm. Were there like any like, because um, I, I noticed you said everybody left their attitudes at the door. So was there like any any qualities or anything you noticed like within the theater industry? Oh, totally. I mean, it's a big reason that I moved to regional theater. So you've mm-hmm. got Broadway, which is like big and bad, and it has the biggest budgets, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, our show on Broadway, uh, the starting budget was three million Mm -hmm. and it can easily go up to 20 25 million some shows even cost 30 million dollars i I didn't think a lot of money went into you wouldn't think because you're like oh they're just on stage acting but it's not there's a lot of no again it's all those not only is it the productions that were built before like um our show started out in many different places and traveled and so that that costs money right Mm -hmm. that's true that's true. And then once you get to Broadway, you're in the biggest house. You're building a new set. You're building costumes. And yeah. again, it's it's hundreds it's and hundreds of, of jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. That's big, man. And I do want to get back to the topic of the fact that you guys made history, right? You guys made history being the first ever Broadway play to have an all-female cast uh, from, from, the, from, the, from the actresses to the performers to the directors to the playwrights, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, I mean, that's a win in itself. Right, like <laughs> I, think I mean, so? yeah. I feel like it, I mean, no, no, not not in the sense that, um, not in the sense that like obviously that shouldn't that should be the norm, mm-hmm. but because you did not win an award, it doesn't like uh, invalidate what you guys did do. Mm-hmm. Is this kind of what I mean? You know, totally. Um, and I think being the first is hard. Being the first to do something is like you know think of Obama, you know mm-hmm. he's the first black president, and every every move he makes is being critiqued. Right. So mm-hmm. I think you guys being the first to do it um, is a big deal, is a win in itself, because then it's going to make it normal for those who come after. So 
But talk about that. What was that like? What kind of attention did you guys get from that? Or did you get any attention? Oh, totally. Um, well, it started with Stephen Bird and Aaliyah Jones-Harvey, who were the lead producers on that. And they are the only two lead producers, full-time producers on Broadway, who are also black. There's mm -hmm. only two lead black producers. Wow. And I was like, I am working with these folks. So years okay, before okay. we got into that, I was like, I need to know you. I want, I want to be mentored. I want to learn mm -hmm. what you're doing. I mean, these folks put the first all-black cast of a Tennessee Williams play on Broadway. Uh, it was Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and it starred James Earl Jones, Felicia Rashad, Terrence Howard. This is the first time that a state ever allowed a black Dang. cast to do that work. Yeah. Wow. And those are big names. Yeah. Huge names. Y'all don't, don't know those names. Y'all better, better. I sat fourth right. row. I will yeah. never forget that show. That's, that's crazy. That's that's Claire Huxtable, yeah, <laughs> Darth Vader, and Mufasa. Like, I was just, come on, man. What are we talking about? That's crazy. Uh, so so continue. So, um, so the, yeah. The, the the history behind it. I mean, they had already been doing the momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I was like, I want. You you just asked me a while ago uh, how inclusive has has my work been and i would say in a broadway world like although i was with all these like great talents and all these folks of color who were at the head this the the systems that build broadway such as your marketing teams uh your pr your general management teams a lot of those groups are white folks mm. yeah and my intention is not to put down <laughs> white folks but i mm -hmm. also want to see myself represented in the room exactly. that's real and that's why i was like really into working with steven and leah mm -hmm. and um that was powerful. Yeah. That was powerful. The most important voice in that room, if I can, was a black man. Mm. I, that does mean a lot. And you hear that a lot, too, nowadays. It's kind of been – it's like um, the gift and a curse with, like, Twitter and social media to where now you can get information. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get misinformation as well. But with Hollywood, you know, there's so many other jobs. I, I forgot who said it. There was an actor who was on an interview, and he was like, dude, there's so many other jobs besides just being the star of a movie. <laughs> right or being a director there's yeah. so many other jobs and i think you kind of spoke to that a lot of those jobs aren't occupied by us right totally. um but what would you say is harder for a person of color to break into uh would you say it's more kind of the theater space the plays and the, the broadway or would you say it's hollywood because I, I feel like both are equally resistant and both have their own obstacles but do you do you have some insight on that well i've only worked in theater for okay. the last decade, so I, d I don't know enough about the insides in Hollywood, um, but I do know that what does representation look like? Because you look at, like, let's take an award ceremony. Um, in, the, in Broadway, uh, every director, choreographer, et cetera, that was nominated for an award, I believe, was a white man uh, in, this, in the previous Tony Awards. Mm -hmm. So I would say that, I don't know that it's easy to be a person of color in the arts, period, mm. and be in a creative space yeah. because you've got to get a lot of money to back it up, and we're talking about millions of dollars, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've got to have people who believe in you from the onset, and they're going to say, I'm going to go raise this much money to make this happen. That's real. That's real. And then um, I, I, I want to talk about representation kind of backstage. Yeah. Because I, I think we always, like you were just saying, uh, some people are surprised when you learn there's so many more jobs other than just being the star on stage. Yeah. A lot of and jobs. actually, that doesn't always pay to be on stage, yeah. <laughs> as well as yeah. some of the backstage yeah. jobs, right? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I mean, one of the highest paid people on Broadway um, are technicians. Mm. Because you work for a union, you have steady income, you work at a venue. Um, so Intamon Theater, what we have is a, a pro pro program called the Starfish Project. 
and it's a free technical theater training program in high schools. And we work in South Seattle right mm -hmm. now, and we're in four high schools. Mm. And we're teaching youth of color how to work backstage jobs, how mm. to get union jobs. That's so we big. bring in union members. Oh, the wow. union paid into it, too. Uh, we got a great uh, funding from the city, from the Department of Neighborhoods, to make sure that we're in schools. We pay students to participate. Wow. We pay them a stipend to come because it's after school, and we recognize that some households need you to get a job. Yeah. Right? Man, wow. if I had this in high school, are you saying. serious? It's dope. <laughs> That's crazy. We bring in lighting designers, no, set designers. Big. We that's talk big, about yeah. that. We buy and refurbish uh, some of the spaces, so we'll get a new light board, and then we'll bring in a union member to teach the students how to use it. Because mm. it was crazy. Like, let's take Rainier Beach High School, for example. They had this amazing auditorium that seats 650 people. The city itself, along with local philanthropists, put in $10 million into this about mm. a decade ago. Yeah. Mm. It has just gone. Uh, it, 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 it needs It needs cleaning. help. It needs some help. I got a lot of other words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's okay here. It's not looking too good. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, okay, how can we make this a more viable space first? You know, because we're interested in, in making art spaces yeah. as safe spaces in this town. Yeah. And then also, how can we work with the youth that are already in this space? And then let's talk about career pathways. Mm hmm. Because I think that there's a great opportunity to teach these youth that you can get into the union, you can get a job, you can get regular salary, you can get payments put into your benefits. Mm -hmm. So I, I really believe that, and, and I value my partner Jennifer Zile, who created this program, that if we start talking to the youth at an earlier age and we start talking to their families, yeah. that we can welcome and be an inclusive space in the arts. You know, that's big, man, because I think there's a huge misconception when it comes to um, the arts, right? Mm -hmm. They think it's all about talent. At least me growing up, mm -hmm. I watch, I watch a movie or I watch a TV show. I'm like, damn, that guy's talent or that girl's talented, right? And I think what you guys are teaching them is more practical. Like you don't know. It's think about think about like every artist who ever came into the music industry. Like Jay Z is a perfect example. He came in as an artist, and now look at him. He's mm -hmm. the furthest thing from uh, of, of he's he's the furthest thing from an artist in my mind, right? He's learned the game. He's learned. He's he understood that I c I have to do more. Yeah. And I think you guys are teaching that, and I think that's big. Um, yeah. Man, bro. It's like everybody. Props. Major props. Everybody for looks you. at yeah. you. Everybody looks at the star and like this is the only way I can make it in arts or whatever. So for you guys to like actually bring to light like the backstage stuff, mm -hmm. it's like I think that's huge because a lot of people might be like. Because you get into this you know, union, you could go real. load out Beyonce and Jay Z's concert. Right. Like these. Th this training is. Um, so transitional in the world of entertainment. And yeah. this town has got a lot of entertainment and a lot of jobs. Yeah. And, and you know what? Another thing is like, uh, you know, you hear that term typecasting, mm -hmm. right? To where you do something and they're like, all right, well, you can only do that role. Yeah. Boom. There goes your jobs. Now you're limited. Now your job list went from here to there. Mm -hmm. Whereas you said like a technician, they don't, they don't care what you look like. <laughs> right? Nope. They don't care what you look like. They don't care how you dress. None of that. They don't care if you can even speak English sometimes. I'm pretty sure. They don't care. They're just like, can you do what you need to move this box from here to exactly. there? Exactly. Exactly. Now, I do want to get into your role of becoming executive director for Intimon Theater. That's big, man. And being the first person of color, right, in the 45-year mm -hmm. history, we talked about that earlier, being the first is a lot. <laughs> is, there, is, there, is there pressure? Because I, I would assume... I mean, it even states it on the website. That's why I noticed that. And I was like, all right, this, you know, this guy probably came in. And um, was there, like, expectations, maybe maybe mm -hmm. unrealistic expectations that they had for you? Or how, how was that for you going into it? I'll let you tell that. Tell your story. <laughs> <laughs> the first question, well, uh, 
what kind of expectations were set up as I come in here, and, and this is something I've recognized over my two, year, two years here, um, is that not only do I have to do the fundraising, the administration, the board liaison, marketing, communications, finance, I'm head of all of that in our department. Mm -hmm. I also look different than a lot of my colleagues. Mm -hmm. And so when we're in discussions, like my organization is part of the Seattle Center Racial Equity Initiative, where we're all coming together, and it's 30 plus organizations, and huge, massive organizations. I'm talking about the Opera Ballet, Pacific Science Center, KEXP, SIF. Um, we all are having conversations about how are we adjusting our, our communities, how are we adjusting our cultures to be more inclusive and welcome people in here. And I felt very blessed that I've, I've had a voice in that about how we're moving forward. Because my intention is with the 12 million people that visit the campus, which is just right across the way, mm -hmm. yeah. um, how, how are we more inclusive and welcoming more folks of color? That's mm. my intention with every meeting I go into. That's big. And some people are like, oh man, that, that, that's the goal? Okay, I, I can't mind that. And I'm like, so it took a person of color to bring that to the table. Mm. And, then I'm, uh, and then I'm having a conversation about how we're moving forward and I'm looked at for guidance and whatnot. And while I've studied and, and I, I I lean towards progressive values. Uh, I have a great amount to learn myself. Yeah. Right? But if, so I have not only the pressure of doing my job, but then the pressure of being a person of color in that role mm -hmm. and being looked at in that way. Yeah, and, and like it, you're the all knowing now. All knowing, there's a lot of judgment on that. Well, yeah. Philip said this, he yeah. didn't do that. Yeah. He wasn't inclusive then. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, man. I think I bring that up because, um, I mean, you are in a, in a position that requires a great deal of responsibility and there's a lot asked of you, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people, maybe a lot of people in this room, people who listen to the show, watch the show, who work in certain settings, right, where they're the minority, they don't feel like they're being heard, they don't feel like they're being valued, or even though they're in a position that is deemed to be valuable, sometimes you don't feel valued in said position, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's big that you're you're doing that, man, and and mm -hmm. pushing those narratives. But it's crazy, man. I I I, I literally remember going to an event. Uh, they did it was like a ribbon cutting ceremony. They they I'm not I don't want to I don't want to put their name out there, but they uh, they pretty much created a space that was supposed to be for diversity and for color and and you know inclusion and all that. And they cut the ribbon. I pulled up with the homie. I walk in and I'm the only black guy there. Mm. I'm like wait hold up who's this for? <laughs> right? They're all clapping happy. I'm like wait hold on what are y'all clapping for? The people that were supposed to be using this space. And mind you, I don't know anybody who's been using it. I was the only one who knew about it. Mm. So it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. That's why I bring that up because that term diversity is a gray area, man. Mm. What does that really mean for for those who do have the resources? Yeah, for real. It's, it sounds good, but like, what is being done? And I think what you mm -hmm. guys are proving is is what needs to be done. You're in those schools. You're doing the work, and that's what it's about. I'm I'm, I'm good off all that diversity talk from people who mm. aren't doing the work. I'm, mm, it's 2019, bro. Like, <laughs> well, I think what's interesting is some people. Yeah, it's, not, uh, it's not doing that. I feel I agree with you, and I feel that some folks are so concentrated and focused on like, what are our metrics on this? Mm -hmm. What is the actual? What's the checklist that we're going to go through? Mm -hmm. And when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, my focus is like, I'm open. I'm going to learn. Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn new words. I'm mm -hmm. going to learn about other cultures. Mm -hmm. And I don't got my checklist. Yeah. Because that's not doing the work. Mm. The work is when you listen mm. and when you participate. That's real. That's real. Yeah. Get involved. Mm -hmm. real. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's like as genuine if you had like a ch uh, checklist, you know. Oh, I mean? there we go. That authenticity. You know? yeah. yeah, it's not like authentic, so. 
that's crazy. And it's like the people who have the checklist aren't even from the culture a lot of times. So it's like, <laughs> what, what, where is this checklist even coming from? Like, who, who are you consulting about this? You know what I mean? And so, um, but we do need more roles to be filled by people like you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and people like us, underrepresented communities, man. We, again, it just goes back to that thing, man, where it's like you, you don't have to be Michael Jordan. You don't have to be Michael Jackson. You don't have to be the ultimate talent just to be in a position of power. And that's the problem. I think mm. we see a lot of our celebrities as like, you know, something of, 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 of something that we can we feel like we can never be, you know, and it's not always mm. the, that's not always the case. Like we can do what they do in a different role on the same level. Mm -hmm. uh, we might not be in front of the camera, but that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. You know, what's really interesting about that is I was just talking with uh, an artist, and he's from Africa, and he did this great piece uh, with my company a couple years ago, where uh, he started off the, the play with, I didn't know I was black until I moved to the U.S. Mm. Wow. Like, he didn't know that he was a person of color until he moved here, right? Mm. So, in, in talk, then he, he talked about, Philip, you being, as a leader of color, and the first in this that he looks up to me. He's like, I, I feel welcomed in this space. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when I'm like, okay, that's why I'm doing this role. Mm -hmm. Because I have that person who needed that, that support, who needed that, I don't know, beacon of hope, that person right there. Yeah, yeah, it goes a long way, man. Some, sometimes those people won't even come up and tell you how much you mean to them because yeah. they don't even get the chance. Yeah. So you don't even know what kind of impact you're having on people. And that's, I think, just being in the space is a, is a win in itself, you know? Um, man, bro, that's a good, that's a good job. Good work, man. Something, something you brought up earlier was the, um, like the racial divides in funding, like nonprofits. Yeah. So, like, I just kind of wanted you to elaborate on that, because like usually when I think of a nonprofit or something, I'm always thinking like it's a good cause. Oh yeah. And, and everything. You know, oh yeah. So. That's real. Yeah. So what's like, what's that about, pretty much? Well, I think I want to make art. And the more money I find, the more money that is donated to my organization, the more, the more art we get to create. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think it's about funding, finding funding cycles, finding funders, finding philanthropists, finding organizations that believe in this work. Yeah. That's where the struggle lies. Mm -hmm. Because I think that there are many great funders in this town that um, are used to seeing certain works and certain narratives on stage. And when you turn it on a dime and you start talking about racism. And I think the really cool thing about art is that uh, we get to, to put it just below the water level. So you've got, you've got the, the words that we're talking about, right? And then you've got that subtext underneath mm -hmm, there. Mm -hmm. And um, the last play that we produced was called Native Gardens. It was at Jones Playhouse at UW. And it was this Latinx family and a well-to-do family. That was the nice thing uh, that happened. And this more mature white couple, and there was a fence in the middle, and it was in the wrong place. So they had this great argument mm. about who owned the land. And then mm. uh, the white couple, they had essentially colonized the space mm. with some beautiful flowers. And like, you can't destroy that. And then the next couple's like, that's our land. Mm. You need to get off that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But it was a comedy. It was a 90-minute yeah. comedy. And what I think some of our uh, patrons saw was like, oh, this was a, a dispute. And then they were like, oh, it was a border dispute. Oh, there was race tied into that. Mm -hmm. Oh, this made me think about something mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's what I think the beautiful part about making art is, is that uh, you get to talk about those those issues, those hot topics mm -hmm. in a creative creative fashion. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, uh, what was that What was that term? Like, put the medicine in the candy, right? <laughs> 
so you don't know you're, yeah, you're eating the yeah, medicine, yeah, but yeah. it's digestible, mm -hmm. right? And you're gonna get what you need from it. Yeah. Um, that's big, man. That's dope. And I think, um, I just think, yeah, I think there's 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 time for like the satire, right? But I feel like in in today's day and age, today's climate. I just think you gotta be more intentional with the art you're making, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm a real big music guy, and I just feel like, um, you know, a lot of artists sometimes don't use their platform, and I don't want you to be preachy. I don't want to hear that all day, but you know, there's space, there's there's room for that, you know. Mm -hmm. There's room to do both, I, th I think, and so. So the hard part about funding is that, um, and again, I, I'm the first person of color, so my organization is trying to learn how to uh, how to how to find the right way for us to move forward. Because a lot of my time, and, and again, I'm not dissing white folks mm -hmm. because there are many great white folks who are funding progressive art in this town. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it's myself talking with a white person asking them for a fair amount of money. Mm -hmm. And as a person who grew up uh, in a, a very poor area of southern New Mexico, and then talking about these great, these great numbers and these great sums yeah. to make my work, yeah. there is a space in there that feels uneasy. Mm -hmm. And I can ask for money. I've been doing that for a minute. But where I have problems is when we're in discussions about social justice, racial equity, and whatnot, and the person I'm asking for money goes off in a tirade about something else that has to do with racism. What do I do with that moment? Mm -hmm. How did that sit with me? Mm -hmm. So uh, my organization has a gravitational pull for people who do believe in this art. And I, I feel very supported from a lot of our major funders mm -hmm. that that's where we're moving towards. And I, what's really cool about my job is I get to have a, a straight-up conversation with them. Because yep. when I ask somebody for a lot of money, we talk about the art, I get to, they get to know me, I get to know them, and mm -hmm. then we, we get to talk about how yeah. this work is moving forward equity, diversity, and inclusion. Mm. So in that, I find the opportunity in that like awkward space of me being this poor brown kid, asking somebody who has a fair amount of money, Yeah. Um, I, I get to lean into the fact that this is a teaching lesson, and I, I want to be a part of that. You know what? You hear that term in business, ROI, right? Mm -hmm. Return on investment. I just thought of something that you can go into your meetings with. Return on impact. Mm. ROI, right there. Boom. <laughs> just, take me, just take me to the meeting, bro. I got you. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, that's really what it boils down to, right? It's like, what? It's, it's not all about the money. Right? No. It, the money is needed to create impact, which mm -hmm. is what you're trying to do. And sometimes it's hard to get people to understand that who are only focused on numbers, bro. So and, and I, I want to share, I, like, yeah, that's tough. We, we've got this crowdsourced uh, fundraiser campaign happening right now called Show the Love. And I think what that does is enables everybody across the spectrum of giving to make an impact. So your gift of a dollar, your gift of five bucks, your gift of $100, 5000 whatever it is, has direct impact. And we want to thank you in the same way we do it for some of our larger donors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that intentionality is leveling the playing field in our organization of uh, who we are committed to. Because as a funder, yeah. I'm committed to, to including you in the conversation. Yeah. I'm yeah. committed to you being a part of this organization. Mm -hmm. So I feel that same way with somebody who's able to give five dollars yeah I think I think you, you just want like you just want people to care too right like Absolutely. you don't want someone to just cut a check and then turn their back and then come back two months later like hey how's it going you're like dude you weren't even like you didn't even know what the hell was going on you you don't even know why you put your money into this right so um, and some people don't yeah and, and I'm not gonna turn away a check 
<laughs> message, message. This, this, this is a teaching moment too for people because I've actually spoken to people like recently, like in the past couple weeks. I spoke to this one girl who talked about she wanted to start a nonprofit with her friends, mm-hmm. and so I think it's important that you are talking about the fact that you're on the level you're at and you still have obstacles and hurdles to face. Yeah. Um, I could just imagine what someone you know in her position who's just trying to start out would have to go through. So, and, and this is what I share for people who actually it doesn't matter what how many years of giving that they've had, mm-hmm. your dollar votes. So if you want to see more inclusivity on stage, you've got to take your dollar and put it there, right? Mm-hmm. So you could do that at my shows. Mm-hmm. I have a play called Caught, written by Christopher Chen, uh, directed by Desmond Chang, and um, it starts in China and then was arrested for doing that work because it talked against the government. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene happens and you uncover like what was the truth from the scene before, and then the next scene, you uncover what the truth was before that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's centering um, an Asian story, and what's cool is you kind of walk through the venue and you move with it, which I'm really excited oh, about. So. Oh, wow. But you yeah. spend a dollar at my show, you're saying yes, this is the narratives I want on stage. That's right. Real. You do that with Hollywood too. That's real. Mm-hmm. Black Panther, look at that. Look what that did. Totally. <laughs> oh yeah. It said that that yeah. all black cast, yeah. all black set members, mm-hmm. all black, black, black. Yeah deserves these, this money. It just shows it matters to us. Absolutely. And then, yeah. you know, people put their money where they're, you know, to what matters and so. So how are you gonna vote with your dollar? That's what I ask. That's real. Support is key, man. That's my mantra. Support is key. I agree with that. You know? Um, man, so, do you, do you got anything else? Because I do want you to get, I want to give you a chance to just kind of touch on some things you may have coming on the horizon as well. Um, I mean, you, you just spoke to that play as well, but um, is there anything else people should be looking forward to in regards to Intimate Theater, things that on the horizon? Yeah, so uh, something really excited, and I'm, I'm uh, very proud of my work, um, is that we racked up a bunch of debt. <laughs> oh, yeah. as, as, I mean, I think wow. that's an injustice in this country, is the amount of debt that people can get settled with. Mm-hmm. My organization had $2.7 million of debt and obligations. Wow. What? Is this as you were coming into your role? Uh, I came in and we had retired a lot of it. But yeah, in, 2000, in about 2010, we got all the dollars together, got all the bills together, and it was 2.7 million. So, God uh, damn. Who do you owe? <laughs> <laughs> we owe a lot of yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't hide from 2.7 million dollars. Yeah, yeah. You can hide from like a, you know, so you owe someone a couple thousand. Like, hey, you can't find me. I'm going to dip out. But 2.7, you're going to get found. That's crazy. That's, to- that's totally right. So I, what I happened is, uh, is through fundraising, through strategic planning, negotiations with, org- with uh, people that we owed money to, mm-hmm. We retired it. That's we retired $2.7 million in obligations and debt. It is completely gone. My company does not owe a single dollar to nobody. Can we get a round of applause for that right there? It's like you pay it right there to pay back. That's crazy, Totally. Man. I mean, a lot of people That's big. came up for that. There was a lot of support from former staff, from former board. That's big. What, I, what happened, though, is in this administration, um, and that's what I was brought in to do. I, I was told when I came in here, and I don't know if people believed it was going to happen, but they were like, Philip, we got all this debt, we got to retire it. And there was no real, like, necessarily plan and actions mm-hmm. and whatnot. So I made sure that we, um, like, we cut expenses, I made sure that we were paying our bills, and that I could raise that final money with some great philanthropists mm-hmm. um, to get rid of it. Man, bro. Wow. Congrats. Yeah, my sister. They, they, they Obama'd you. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> my sister was like, Philip, you're the first person in your family to get rid of debt. 
Yo, as you were telling me that story, I was just thinking of Barack Obama coming in after Bush, and I'm like, damn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hold on, so you said Fix you, this. you guys racked all that up in 2010, right? Between 2007 and 2010 was when we racked up the most of it. Okay, yeah. and damn. then you guys got rid of it when? Uh, between 2012 and just a few months ago. Wow. Man. Got rid of all that. That's crazy. Totally. <laughs> but see, so this, is the side people, see this is the side people yeah, don't understand. Like, people don't understand, like, people think nonprofit is all about just gaining dollars and getting donations. Mm -hmm. And I think you're giving some real, realistic insight to what it takes to actually run mm -hmm. a successful nonprofit, what it takes to actually lead one if you want to be in a leadership role. Um, man, yeah, commendable, man. Yeah, so now you're saying, what does our future look forward to? I mean, yeah. Now I get to take every dollar that we bring in and put it towards art. I get to take every dollar we've put in and put it towards programs. Mm. I get to take every dollar and look at like, what's our new home look like? Yeah. What's our new home for artists of color to come into and produce some of the most thought-provoking work? I mean, I get to work alongside this woman named Sarah Porkolov, who sits on my board. She's also an artist, art of, artist activist. She calls herself an artivist. And she's she heard that term before us. Yeah, she was tired of doing work of dead old white guys. This is, these are her words, mm -hmm. and she was like, "I'm gonna write about my family," and she wrote about her Filipino gangster grandma, mm. who has certainly killed people. And her and she got herself here, and she raised her family, and Sarah talks about that. And she she did this awesome concert last night at Numo's where uh, she sang songs from her musical, and it's just so impactful to to again see. A woman of color on stage with so much talent, so much creativity, tell an honest story, and and I can live in that because her grandma was my grandma. Yeah, and owning her Tia that, was my Tia. Owning that story too. Oh, totally. Right? You own that story. You're not just doing Shakespeare shit no more. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're doing your own and you're mm -hmm. writing your own story, so that's big. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, man. I, 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 you know, I just don't want. I do want to thank you and everybody else you're working with for the work mm -hmm. you've done and the work you guys are doing. Um, I always leave my guests with this last question. Do you have some you want to add on? Uh, how, how can people get involved with Into Mind? Yeah, yeah. yeah, thank you for asking that. Yeah. Also, thanks for having me on this. Oh, yeah. man, no, no, no problem. Always, <laughs> always, man. Always. Uh, well, people can hit us up on all the social platforms, Into Mind Theater. You can look at me, Philip Chavita, um, on all the social platforms, yeah. intamon.org. Get to know us. Our next show opens March 7th at 12th Avenue Arts. It's going to be so dope. It runs the whole month of March. Mm -hmm. So get yourself up there. Hey, nice. Hey, man. I got to come check out the show now. For sure. Yeah, I, ain't got, I ain't got no. You guys are down the street, too, man. You guys are we're like Open neighbors. night. We got a dope party. Hey, let's do it. I'm there, man. Um, now, I always leave our guests with this last question to kind of sum up you know, what we've discussed as well as what's ahead. Um, mm -hmm. So if you can, my brother, what is one word to describe what keeps you on the up and up? Liberation. Mm. Yeah. Liberation is the goal each and every day. Because if you think you got there, you got more to go. Mm. If, yeah, if liberation is leading you in your charge, you are being inclusive in the space. Mm. If liberation is your charge, you are welcoming that first black woman as an executive in your staff. Mm. If you got liberation in your mind, you're making your product is going to be a freeing space. Mm. That's big. Wow. I like that. I think, I think mm -hmm. That's the first time, first time we got That's the yeah. first time we got liberation. First time we got liberation. Hey. Yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. Man, so. man, man, many firsts <laughs> right here. <laughs> uh, man, Philip, we appreciate you, though, man, for coming to the show. We appreciate, sure. you know, mm -hmm. all the work you've done, like I said. Um, you know, you got support here in this room and moving forward. Um, anything else you want to leave off with? I think we wrapped it up. Well, in that case, I think it's safe to say, man, if you don't know, now you know. Philip Chavira is officially a member of the Up and Up.
Yo, what up? It's Rubino. And this is DJ Earn. We hope you enjoyed that episode and that now you have a better understanding of what it means to live life on the up and up. To continue supporting the podcast and the entire up and up movement, be sure to rate, review, like, and subscribe. As well as follow us at underscore the up and up on all social media platforms to stay connected with everything the up and up has coming your way. Thanks for listening. And until the next one, keep it on the up and up.